How's everybody doing? Good? Good to see you guys. Got the nice headset today, so I'm working with new technology. Loving it. Trying to make sure everything works here. Well, my name is Patrick Genova. My wife and I, we have the privilege of leading the teen ministry, which is an amazing honor for us. We're so grateful to be here. Um, this week was an amazing week for uh, my wife and I. So it was our fourth year being married. It was our anniversary, and uh, which is awesome, yes. And it was also followed a day after by her birthday. Um, so I have, to, I have to confess, you know, our first, um, our fe- our first anniversary could have went a little bit better. And that was, that was my fault, um, you know. And uh, I, I thought that, you know, we get married on the 12th of October. Uh, her birthday is on the 13th of October. I thought we were going to do kind of like a bundle package, you know, where, where we could just celebrate it all on one day. And uh, I learned that that was, uh, that was a huge mistake. So, so I've since repented. Um, and I've, I've separated the days now, all right? So... But it was awesome. We got to do some um, glass blowing, which was crazy. It was really cool. I just want to make sure this works. Kobe, can you just turn this on? I mean, I might be messing it up. Thanks. All right. Thank you, Kofi. It's awesome. Hands around applause, Kofi. Thank you. All right. So today, um, the title of the message is The Time Has Come. The time has come, is the title of the message. And uh, I want to start by reading a passage in Mark chapter 1. All right, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. It says, After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee, proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so I want to talk about three things today. Here we got it going now. I want to talk about three things today. He talks about how the time has come. He says to repent. And he talks about believing the good news. And we're going to kind of go through those things today. You know, the time has come is interesting. The, the, the Jews at this time were, they were waiting for a savior. They were waiting for a Messiah. They, they were, they knew the Old Testament prophecies about a timing at which uh, this Messiah would come, this Savior would come. Uh, they heard the warnings of John the Baptist, uh, who was around. And, and John the Baptist was saying, you know, there's going to be one that comes after me who's greater than me because he was before me. You know, Jesus, he was with God in the beginning. And so they were all waiting. The Jews were all waiting expectantly for this coming of a new kingdom. I mean, that's, that's amazing. You know, just imagine if you were there. And you're, and you're talking about it, and you're reading, and you're searching the scriptures, and you're trying to figure out, like, okay, around what time is he coming? Okay, it's during the, you know, this kingdom passed, the Persian kingdom, this other kingdom, and this time is the temple. You know, and you're just like, all right, so it should be around this, this time. Oh, and here's, here's, here's John the Baptist, right? He, he's come, the Elijah was supposed to come before Jesus, so he, he's coming in the spirit. He's making the path straight. He's calling people to repentance. All right, it's about to happen. Right? This is about to go down. Like, Jesus, the Messiah, is about to come. And so there was great excitement. So when Jesus came and he said, the time has come, that was like a lightning bolt going through uh, his, his listeners, his hearers. That was like, they knew exactly what that meant. 
They knew that the Messiah was finally here. Everything in history led up to that moment in time. And, and it was just incredible. It, it, it was like an alarm went off in their brains. And it immediately inspired them to make some changes. You know, alarms, alarms can be uh, funny things. Alarms, snooze buttons especially. Um, you know, I, I've had some run-ins with the snooze button. You know, that snooze button is deadly. I had to actually look up, like, who invented this thing and why? Like, what was the purpose of this? Who, why? Because you set the alarm for a certain time so that you can wake up at a certain time. So what would make someone say, I'm going to invent a button so you don't actually need to wake up at the time that you knew you needed to wake up, which is why you set the alarm in the first place? So I just couldn't understand, like, why the snooze button Apparently, there's some argument even about who invented it. You know, probably no one wants credit because it's like this diabolical um, invention, right? And so, so you know, General Electric, uh, they get blamed for it. There's this guy, the author of uh, the movie Ben-Hur, uh, the original, I forgot his name, but he gets some credit for, you know, inventing this. And um, it causes a lot of problems, this news button. I'll tell you, when Lamisha and I were dating, um, she, she would take bus down, the, the mega bus down from New York, and um, I would know about around what time she would get there. And I got home from work one day. I was working for the state of Maryland at the time. And uh, I got home from work. I was exhausted. I was tired. And I was like, all right, you know, I'm just going to go to sleep for a little bit. I'm going to set my alarm. And I'm going to know when to pick uh, Lamisha up from the bus stop. you probably see where this is going. So I set the alarm. I, I set the alarm because it's when I need to wake up. And so I, the alarm goes off. I'm like, all right, well, you know, these times, they're, they're kind of give or take, you know, five minutes. So... Snoozing for five minutes can't really, uh, it can't really hurt anything, you know? So I snooze only to wake up 30 minutes after her arrival. You know, like, when you hit the snooze button, you don't know, like, if you're going to be awake for the next alarm. Like, things happen between snooze buttons, you know? Like, you don't even know what happens between snooze buttons. And so, so, so I, I, was, I woke up, and she, her bus had already arrived. So I'm like, oh, and we're dating. I'm trying to act. I'm trying to give a good impression, you know. And so, so I just like I book it out of the house. I get I get in the car and I'm driving to the bus stop. I'm calling her. Her phone is dead, and she's probably she's stranded at this bus stop. She's probably thinking this this Joker right here, you know. He doesn't even like come to pick me up when I come to town. I mean, I was just I felt horrible, and I wanted to blame it on the snooze button, but I hit the snooze button. You know, and so I picked her up, and amen, she's amazingly gracious and loving, and she forgave me, and, and we got married, so it must and so it must have worked out, right? Um, you know, but uh, yeah, snooze buttons are dangerous, you know, and I think sometimes we can hit a snooze button spiritually. We can hit a spiritual snooze button. See, this is, this is a funny one. I was like, keep the dream alive, right? Just hit the snooze button. And sometimes we could do this, and instead of saying life or your spirituality or um, answering God's call, we can, we can hit the snooze button on that. You know, God can be showing us things. Alarms can be going off in our lives where God is saying, all right, just got to got to do this. got to do Like, come on, it's time. You know, the time has come. The alarm is going off. And we could just hit the snooze on uh, five minutes, you know, five more years, ten more years, whatever. Oh, I'll deal with that, you know, like next week. I'll deal with hard parts of my character. I'll snooze on that one. You know, we could just keep hitting the spiritual snooze button. Um, I read some, it's so funny, I actually researched the snooze button prior to get ready for this. And, 
And, and, and people will even say this is a horrible invention because what it tells us is that we can actually put off what we need to do and roll back over into the comfort of our bed. And I think sometimes, with spiritually speaking, we can put off what we need to do for God and just roll back over into the comfort of the lives we are currently living or the lives that we're currently telling ourselves. And so I think we can do this, right? We can, we can hit spiritual snooze, but, you know, we have some sin in our lives, some things we're trying to change. It just keeps reoccurring, keeps happening. Alarms going off. Alarms are going off. Oh, yeah, I get snooze. And you snooze it, right? Following God, right? God could be calling you to follow him, to make a commitment uh, to following his word, making it the standard of your life. You just say, oh, you know, like, when I get older, I'll do that. You know, when I have, you know, that's when people typically make that decision, right? Like, my grandma and my grandpa, they talk to me about God, so that's when I'll do it. Snooze, Right? You know, reaching out to people. You have coworkers. You have people in your life that God is calling. Man, this person needs help. I wanna, I wanna reach out to them. I wanna share the good news that the time has come with them. You know, God keeps calling you to do it, and you're right there, and you're having these conversations. You're like, oh, I'll do it next time. Next time when I'm at the job. Okay, snooze, right? And we can do it. We can flirt with the world. We like what the world has to offer, right? It's attractive sometimes. You can feel attractive. And so you're kind of like right on that line of like, I'll follow God, but I still want to dabble. I'll really commit my life fully a little bit later. Snooze, right? We can hit the spiritual snooze button on things. You know, and, and we, God is saying that the time has come. We can't keep hitting the button. We have to respond. If there's things, there's alarms that are going off, we have to respond. What are the alarms that are going off in your life? What are the things that just keep reoccurring? People are talking to you about, you maybe, you maybe kind of know maybe about yourself, or, or you see it, or you've had little signs. God has sent you messengers, and you snooze, snooze, right? We've got to stop. The time has come. The time has come. When we're leaving... Um, when the mission are, you know, leaving the house, I don't know if this happens to you, probably with families, I would say more so. You know, when it's time to go to, uh, uh, you know, a church service or an event or, or whatever, and it's time to leave the house and you got to get everybody uh, out of the house, you know, it can be challenging sometimes, right? Like, to get everybody out of the house. I mean, even even this morning, I'm going to have to, you know, uh, put Misha, you know, under the, the bus a little bit here. So, uh, <laughs> but she's gracious. She's forgiving, right? Um, so, uh so we're leaving that, you know, we're leaving the house, and and uh, we were our, our goal was to be at Panera at nine. And I'm like, all right, all right, babe, we gotta go. And I'm ready, I'm ready to go. Uh, I'm there. I'm not always ready to go, by the way. Uh, sometimes it's just flipped, but for today, you know, let me just get it. So so I'm like, all right, babe, it's time to go. She's like, all right, all right, I'm coming, I'm coming. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, okay. So I'm like, okay, uh, looking at the watch. So all right, babe, it's like, all right, we gotta go. Like, let's do it. She's like. All right, I'm coming, babe, I'm coming. And you hear it, she's a little bit more, you know, all right, I understand. And finally, it was like, all right, babe, the time, it's like the time has come. Like, we, it's time to go. All right, we can't put this off. If we don't leave the door, uh, we're not, it's no point of even going, right? And so, so what does that mean when you say to your family? Or people are like, the time has come, it's time to go. It means whatever you were doing before stops, and you engage in the new direction, whatever you're going to be doing. Right? So for her, that would mean, okay, finish that. Makeup's done. Okay, it's time to go. Let's, let, now we're making moves outside of the house into the car. Right? So spiritually, it's the same thing. God is calling us. Right? God is saying the time has come. So whatever your life was all about, whatever, whatever things, the direction you were heading, that's stopping. You're getting out the door, into the car, into God's lane. Right? 
that's what that's about. And God is saying here, Jesus is saying, like, the time has come. What, what was going on? It, it, it's not as important as this. This will change your life. You know, does the world tell you that you need to be perfect? The time has come. The kingdom of God is here, and you receive grace in his kingdom. Are you afraid of something? Do you fear something? Right? The time has come. The kingdom of God is here, and we do not need to fear because we have God. Are you a slave to other people's perceptions of you, really worrying about what other people think about you? The time has come. The kingdom of God is here, and his judgment is the only one that matters. Does your life lack purpose and meaning? The time has come. The kingdom of God is here, and he can give you purpose and meaning in your life. When they heard the kingdom of God was here, they knew it was a good thing. They knew it was, it was going to be a part of something amazing where they'll get hope, direction, faith, love, all of these things. That's what the kingdom of God offers. How will you respond when God calls you? You know, if you're here today, I'm telling you, God is calling you. He's calling you. Accept the call to his kingdom. The time has come, whatever you've been doing, it doesn't matter compared to his kingdom. That's the most important thing. Will you leave behind your old life and follow Jesus into a new life? The second thing Jesus talked about um, in this passage is that, the time, so the time has come, and he calls people to repent, right? Um, he says, you know, the time has come, repent and believe the good news. Repentance is an interesting thing. Um, I looked up, I wanted to get like a, a more comprehensive working definition of it. So Mount's Complete Expository Dictionary has a great definition. Yeah, it's, it's a lot to say. But he actually, it's a really, uh, it makes sense. And, and, and the way he puts it is incredible. I, I, really, I really like this. Oh, sorry. So it's there. So it says, repentance, this is the definition of repentance. Repentance denotes a radical turning from sin to a new way of life oriented towards God. Repentance is the appropriate response to the nearness of the kingdom of God. Repentance goes hand in hand with the forgiveness of sin when one becomes a Christian. Moreover, repentance should mark the life of a Christian. For Jesus warns the churches in Revelations to repent. So this is not just, this isn't just, oh, yeah, yeah, like I blew it. No, this is, I'm changing my life's direction. I'm, I'm moving this way and, and I'm changing, I'm going to God, right? It's a complete shift in the direction uh, of your life and the things you value, the things you, you hold dear, whatever, character, personality. I mean, just everything goes back to God, right? It's this returning of God. And it's this radical turn. It's appropriate response to his kingdom. And I like this. And repentance is associated with the forgiveness of sins, which we know in Acts 2, which is repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. But it also, it, it's the life of a Christian. You know, I used to believe for the longest time that people don't really change. They just kind of, you know, cover things up or they learn how to um, operate within the society, hiding these things, but not really changing anything. I used to think that. And then I got to know Jesus. I'm like, oh, my gosh, he transformed my life. And so the, the ability to change is in Christ. And that's an incredible thing that we can change the direction, the course of our lives through Jesus. 
I want to sh- just a few more passages on repentance if you guys want to look into it. Um, you know, this as I mentioned this past week was our our wedding anniversary, so that was that was four years. Um, and I know some other people there's there's a, there's engagements going on right now in the church, which is which is amazing. Uh, Steve and Eunice and Steve and Rose are engaged to get to get married, which is which is awesome. And I was you know, Lamisha and I for our anniversary we kind of like reflected through the years and even our and even our dating. And uh yeah, I remember planning our wedding. <laughs> you know, a lot went into that. A lot goes into planning a wedding. I don't know if you guys can relate, but you know, there's a you know, you gotta you gotta do your guest list, you gotta have your budget, you gotta figure you know, you're bringing families together. Um, you know, it's a lot, a lot that goes that goes into it. I want to show you guys this is a this is a picture from our wedding when we yeah, got in the car there. Yeah. So, um yes. So but so much went into that, making that happen. You know, and and all that work you put into it, you want it to it's it's meant to be special. It's meant to be just something incredible, right? And when people are invited and they come to the to your to the wedding, right? Or if if you've been to a wedding, you come with a sense of like, all right, I'm going to a wedding. It's not like you're just it's not you're not going to the gym, right? You don't you're not you're not wearing your Nike and your shoes and and you know and your uh you know Under Armour shirt like you're going to the gym. You you dress for whatever the wedding calls for, right? And so I found it so interesting this parable of the wedding banquet in the Bible. And let me give you a little bit of background first. So God put so much work, right, into helping us. He sent his son to die for us. He's preparing heaven for us. He's, he's setting everything up for, for us. He's doing all the work. And, and there's this passage in Matthew 22 where it talks about this wedding banquet. And this king is inviting. Um, he, he sends out his uh, invites to, to the guests of the, of the wedding. And the people get back to the king and they say, oh, you know, I got a work thing. I I can't go to your wedding, or I got this family thing I got going on. I can't, I can't go to your, uh, to your wedding. Thank you for the invitation, but we can't, we can't make it. The king's like, man, no one's, no one's coming up. Could you imagine all that work you put in, and the majority of your guests like have, you know, a work thing going on? You know, you're like, oh, what? Really? Is that serious? So, so, the, so this king is doing this. He's preparing this wedding banquet, and a lot of people they, they can't go to this wedding. So what the king does. And he says, all right, I'm going to send an invitation to anybody out there. Everybody can come. Everybody gets an invitation, right? And the king arrives to the party, right? And this is the, his invitees are all there. So he gets there. He's looking around. I'm sure it's like a fun time. And then he sees, he sees this one person. He sees this one guy. And he didn't change his clothes to be there. He didn't, he didn't put on a suit. He didn't do it. So we're going to read right now that interaction between the king and this person. And this is in uh, verse 11 of Matthew 22, 11 through 13. It says, But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, How did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's intense. You know, he, this person, what was the issue? He didn't change. He didn't even try. He didn't even make an effort to put on any wedding clothes. He just said, oh, yeah, you know, like I got this invite. I'm just going to head out there. You know, I bet his friends were saying, no, bro, you should probably change. 
And he just said, snooze, snooze, right? I'll do it later, you know. But no, he, we, if, to be a part of the kingdom, it requires a change. This is not about perfection, but does it take perfection to put on a suit? No, it's just the effort, right? Just, just try. Dress appropriately. God's kingdom is incredible. It's an honor to even be invited to it. And we did nothing to be invited to it. It was all God. And honestly, this, this guy at the wedding who, who, I mean, you know, honestly, if you had somebody come to your wedding like this, how, how would you feel about it? I doubt you would call them friend, right? And you see God says, he's still your friend, but there's, there's requirements here. There's, there's, a, there's a certain code of conduct in, in my kingdom, you know, that it at the very least requires some sort of effort. But for someone to show up without changing at all, knowing the dress code, is a very disrespectful thing. Right, it's very disrespectful to think that, you know, I could just go however I want. I don't care what you say. I'm gonna go in and and I'm gonna eat your food and enjoy the time. No, like God's kingdom is amazing. It's incredible, and we should be privileged to be a part of it. And we lay out the outfits the week before and we get ready to enter it. You know, honestly, this guy that didn't change, this was this was me when I was uh, learning what it meant uh, to be a Christian. When I was learning what it meant. Uh, to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus, um, I grew up really thinking that I was I was good, you know, I was going to heaven, and yeah, I would smoke, I would drink, um, I, I would be sexually immoral, all of these things, and I thought, you know, God, you know, he's, 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 he sees my heart, and you know, I'll be there, you know, and and God does, God did love me, um, and God does love all of us, no matter what. He loves us no matter what, but I really just thought that that was it. You know, that's, I, that was a lie that Satan was feeding me, that, that I could just live however I wanted to live, and, and God just would, would turn a blind eye, right? Even though he sent his son to die for me, even though he set up everything for me, you know, I would just have this attitude of like, yeah, I'm going to live how you know, God is loving. If anybody tells me that, that God's not loving, then you know what, you'll forget you, you know? And I just think that's... My attitude was arrogant. It was prideful just thinking that, that it was going to all be good. God requires a change in us. He does. He calls us to repentance. We have to repent. We can't hit the snooze button on repentance. You know, I remember I had to look at my sin honestly. I had to say, okay, you know, these, like some sins, right? Sexual immorality, sex outside of marriage, impurity, right? Uh, you know, cursing. Just a, just a hard heart towards people. Um, pride. I got into a lot of fights. Um, you know, I was, I, was, I was 22 years old. I was in college. I went through my whole college years not, not following God, living that lifestyle, partying it up, li- doing, doing all that stuff. And so I remember learning that God actually expects us to change. And it talks about some more of these sins, right, in Galatians 5. But and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is heavy. This is heavy stuff. Like, God wants me to. Stop, can I stop doing this for the rest of my life? You know, I just didn't see, I didn't think I could. I didn't think I, I could actually um, change these things. And I was kind of like, I could never unlearn this stuff. You know, and, I, and that, it was really hard for me to, to wrestle with these concepts. You know, this was, it was a shock uh, to, my, to my life that this is what actually Jesus taught, was that we have to, you know, repent to be a part of his kingdom. You know, but it's the truth. And I'm here seven years later after making that decision to say it's the best decision I ever made in my life. 
him calling me to repentance was good for me. <laughs> you know, I wasn't, I'm not doing anything for God by repenting. Just like Jim talked about a contribution. It's not about what God needs. Right? He gives us these things for our own good because of how much he loves us. What are the areas of your life where you need to make a change? Are you afraid of that question? You know, sometimes, like, what do I need to Like, sometimes our egos can flare up, right? Like, what are you trying to say? Right? You know, get off my back. But we have to look, take an honest look in the mirror about where we really are and say, what do I need to change? And what I found out is when you want to know what you need to change, you don't, it's not hard to figure it out. It's really not. It's really not. You'll, you'll get some signs and society, society helps you with these things, right? Uh, but, um, but, you know, even just asking God, God, what do you feel like I need to change? You know, if you don't know, ask God. And I think even asking the people in your life, people that you trust, that you know love you, you know, that, that are going to give you an honest uh, assessment. You know, but that, that can be really hard. We can feel like, whoa, because we want to protect our egos, right? We want to protect. We don't want to feel like inferior. We don't want to feel less than. Sometimes I could be hesitant to share vulnerably things, right? Because I feel like the person that I'm sharing with then is going to, like, uh, feel superior or something like that to me, right? My ego flares up at the moment of trying to share. So, I, but I had, to, I had to kill that part of me. Because I know that being vulnerable and being open and being honest with where we are, that's how we really make changes in our lives. So what are these, what are these things for you? God is calling us to change. And we have to. This is part of getting into his kingdom. Last thing I want to talk about today is believing the good news. So the time has come. And he says, believe the good news. So this is good news, all right? Being a part of God's kingdom, it really is good news. And sometimes we can maybe feel like, I don't know how good a news um, this is. And, and I know when I was studying the Bible, I was oh, is this going to be like a life, feel like a life sentence or this heavy, heavy burden? You know, it didn't feel like that good a news to me at first, to be honest with you. You know, and I've learned recently that there's three kinds of news. There's there's good news, there's bad news, right, and there's fake news, right? So there's, there's all different, there's, there's many different kinds of news that are out there, but sometimes we don't respond to God's call to be a part of his kingdom. If we don't respond, it could be probably one of two reasons. We might believe it's bad news, so this is really a life sentence, this is going to be too hard, this is going to be crazy, all these things I have to give up. I really like my, this is bad news. I want to stay, I want to stay as far away from this as possible because it's such bad news. The other reason is because we can really think it's fake news. We can think that this is all fake, right? That would be another reason why someone wouldn't respond to the call of God's kingdom. Because we don't actually believe that this stuff is real, that heaven is real, that Jesus really was here. He really died. He really was resurrected. And he pointed us into a right direction. So those are two possible reasons why we might not respond to the Bible. I know for me, it was hard for me to respond because I was like, oh, this sounds like bad news. You know, and then as I put it into practice, I saw God's blessings in my life, and I saw the fulfillment that came with it. I was like, oh, hey, man, this is like amazing news, you know. And now I want to tell other people about it. And I was fired up to tell it. And I was like, all I got to do is just show people what it says here, and everybody will just want to become a Christian. And then I learned quickly that's not the case. 
You know, it, not everybody it can just read it and just say, yes, let's do it, right? And, but Jesus calls us to that. Read it. What does it say? Get help with it. What is it showing me in my life? Okay, let's do it. Your life will be better. It will be better than it ever has. And we get so many promises that come with it. Think about it. If I said to you, um, you know, there's a billion dollars, a billion, buried in a field in Trumbull. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yes. And to purchase the land so that you would become the owner of that billion dollars, all you had to do was some paperwork and pay, you know, 100 bucks uh, to purchase the land. What would you do? You would do it. Right? It's a, no, it's a no-brainer. It's not like you worked for that billion dollars. Right? It's not like you, you had to put in all this effort to get a billion dollars. You wouldn't even be thinking about your effort because you'd be thinking about what's there, what you're striving for, what you're fighting for. And that's like God's kingdom. It's so much greater than whatever, whatever he asks of us to do that it doesn't even matter what we have to do because it's just so much bigger. You know, but the only reason we wouldn't respond to this is, cause it, is if we believe it's bad news or we just don't believe it at all. God is calling us, and this is all real. These, what we're reading in the Bible, this stuff really happened. These events really took place. It's not even debated amongst serious scholars or historians out there. that These are eyewitness accounts. This didn't happen in a secret corner of Jerusalem that nobody saw. This was out in public display, everything that we're reading. It can be verified. How does Jesus describe what a response to an invitation to the kingdom of God should look like? What's great is we have scriptures that describe what a response would would look like when we really get it, when we really understand what we're being called to. If you turn to Matthew 13. Matthew 13, verse 44 says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Is this how great it is for you to be a part of the kingdom of God? That you're willing to give up everything for it. This we have salvation. This was amazing. This all of history led up to the moment where Jesus came, and now we're in this kingdom era, right? Like the kingdom of God has already come. It came. Jesus was saying the kingdom of God will come. The kingdom came in Acts two. We're now living in this new kingdom era. We can have. We can be a part of it. Why would people not respond this? Like if I said there's a treasure here, because because oh I don't believe you, Pat. You know, or, oh, you're really setting me up and you're going to, like, beat me up when I get to the field, right? Or you don't believe me. But this is real. God's invitation to be a part of his kingdom is real. Look at the response back in Mark 1 of the first disciples. Mark 1, 16. So this is the same scripture we're reading, and this was their response to the very thing we started with today. This was their response. Mark 1, 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. What was their response to this call, this lightning bolt of to be a part of God's kingdom? They gave up everything. They put their nets down. They were fishermen. That was their job. They, they got it. 
Nothing else was more important. Nothing else was more important than this. They dropped everything they had to follow Jesus. Is joining or being a part of God's kingdom, God's kingdom, is that good news to you? Is that good news to you? If it's bad news, if it's bad news for you, ask yourself why. Why does this feel bad to me? And I would encourage you to evaluate if you really know who God is. Because when you really know who God is, you will get closer. You will see this is good news. Do you think that this is fake news? Do you think that this is all made up? The Bible has made a strong, very, very strong case for why this is true. It has it proven it. So I ask you, if you believe that this is fake, to prove it. Show us with evidence. Show me with evidence why this is not true. This is real. This really happened. Jesus of Nazareth really walked the earth. He really died. He was really resurrected. And there really is a heaven. There really is a hell. These things are true. It is an amazing thing to follow God. It is incredible to be a part of his kingdom. Just personally for me, when I was 22 years old, I was studying the Bible. I was, I was absolutely lost. I didn't know what I was doing. I kept making the same mistakes over and over again in my life. Um, and I remember when... I was praying a week, like this was, this was like a week before I started studying the Bible. I was praying. I said, God, please send me someone to help me understand this. You know, please help me somebody, send me somebody that can help give me direction in my life. You know, I was kind of an athlete, so I always like thrived off of like coach and player kind of relationships. And so I, I asked God, I was like, God, I don't want a vision. I don't, I don't even, I don't want to, I don't want like this miracle thing. That's, I just, just send me a person to help show me and guide me kind of what it means to live life, like what this is all about. And the person that he sent me, his name was Cash, and he showed me what life was all about with the scriptures. He showed me how to live life uh, that the way Jesus calls us to, and that's God's plan. He uses people to help other people. He uses people to call other people. That's his plan for salvation. You know, and it's really hard. Like, I, I love, I love this church. Because when I was lost, God sent somebody from this church to help me. God sent somebody from here to help me see what it meant to be a disciple. I'm not saying it could have happened in another way or another fashion. But what I do know is that it didn't. What I do know is God sent me somebody from here. So I love this family. I love this family. If, if any, any, anything that I see that could be done differently is far outweighed by the fact that I have salvation because somebody, a member of this church, said, I want to help other people know God. And that changed my life when I was lost. That changed my life when I was headed in a dark direction. And, and I'm just so grateful that somebody took the time to do that. They saw me on campus they, they, didn't, they didn't back down. I, I put up a fight. I was like, oh, what are you talking about, man? And, and they stayed in, and they were patient with me, and they helped me understand God's call. And that changed my life. I have a direction in my life. I have guidance in my life. I have four years of an amazing wife. And we didn't kiss till our wedding day. That's, if you knew me 22 years old and earlier, you would have been like, that is crazy, man. That's not possible. You can't do that, Pat. But God allowed me to do it. God gave me that. I could say, we, it was incredible, the, the blessing of being able to do that. You know, I've been able to see how amazing God's grace is. That I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to beat myself up. I don't have to live under this heavy burden. 
right? I've had help. We've had help no matter where in the world that we're in. We were living in Spain, right? There's help over there. People were, were encouraging us, helping us. We lived in Baltimore, there. Here in Connecticut, we have so much help and support from you guys here. Amazing. I've had amazing guidance in my life because of this kingdom, because of being a part of it. I I have freedom from sin. I know that I can attack sin, and with God's power, I can conquer it. And I know that when everything's said and done here, that there's an eternity in heaven that's waiting for me. And all I want to hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what I want to hear when Jesus returns. And I'm willing to commit my life and live my life in such a way that I can hear those words. That when Jesus comes, I'm ready to join the banquet and the party. Nothing else here matters that much. If you guys, if anybody's hitting the snooze button, I'm, I'm challenging you. I'm calling today. Stop hitting the snooze button. Respond to the alarm. Make the changes necessary. Change. Put the clo- put the clo- clothe yourselves with Christ, right? And remember that this is good news. Being a part of God's kingdom is good news. The opportunity to enter the kingdom. It will not last forever. There will be a time in which the door can close or Jesus will return. Are we prepared right now for Jesus to return? Let's live our lives in such a way that when he returns, we are ready to party. Ready to party with Jesus and God and we're ready to be embraced and accepted into his love with no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. No more hardships. We'll just be with God. Let's live our lives in such a way that we're ready for that. Thank you, guys.